Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9 30 a.m. on KKNW. Good morning. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW. My name is Laura Richer. I'm the owner and founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am here with my co-host, Michelle Mooney, to continue the conversation we started on last week's episode around the most common couples arguments. So good morning, Michelle. Morning, Laura. Great to be back. Hello to all of our listeners. And, you know, I think it says a lot that we got halfway through a list of the most common conflicts because there really are a lot and these are very common. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we have a lot more to get to this time. So we do. So yeah. let's dive right in here. So on our list next is lack of affection. Mm-hmm. So this can be easy to, oh, in the beginning, we are so affectionate, usually with our new partners, yeah. we just, we love the sound of their names and we just can't wait to see them and your heart flutters a little bit, but then over time they become much more familiar to mm-hmm. you. And so that natural impulse to want to bond with them mm-hmm. um, diminishes a little bit. So what do we do about that? Well, you know, we talk about love languages a lot, and it's really important that we speak our partner's love language. So it can be very easy, like, well, I like, uh, you know, gifts. So I'm going to give Laura gifts. And I, you know, gifts are really about thoughtfulness. But, you know, I'm going to think of her, and that's how I show my love. You might not feel love that way, right? You might only feel it through physical affection. So if I'm not giving you that, that's one of the reasons why we can feel a lack of affection is because you're not speaking to me in a way that I feel that you love and you are affectionate towards me. Um, so things like that. Um, um, what are your current rituals of connection around affection? So, I mean, affection can feel like you made me my coffee this morning, right? So that's uh, acts of service, for example. Um, that can be a, a piece of affection. If you really like cards and notes and things like that, if that's how you feel valued and loved. And, you know, if I'm somebody who's like, well, I'm not that kind of person. Well, but you are, right? Yeah. So we need to lean into who our partner is, not necessarily what we like or what we would typically do. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the feeling that you have affection for the person with that you're with leads to emotional connection. And yep. if there is no affection um, or there, and that leads to you not feeling connected to that person, then there's going to be all kinds of other problems mm-hmm. that you will start to experience mm-hmm. in the relationship. Yeah, because yeah. my partner's not being affectionate to me in the way that I would like. And again, that can look like uh, anything from gifts to cuddles, anything like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to feel really undervalued. I'm not going to feel loved. It's going to be like, what am I even here for? Um, you know, we want to feel, we talk about attachment needs. So being valued, having connection, you know, feeling respected and cherished and all these things we want to feel from our partner. And if we're not showing affection, that can really rupture those uh, basic needs that we have in a relationship. That is such a good point. So in an attachment relationship, our first attachment relationship is going to be with our caregivers. And so when we're young, we want that kind of connection with our parents. We want to know that they see us, that they care about us, that they're there for us when we need them. And then that need is transferred to your romantic partner. And so if your romantic partner doesn't feel like you're going to be there for them or that you don't see them or you don't value them or care about their feelings, 
there will be a lack of connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially if I keep telling you like, hey, you know, I really appreciate this. And then there's some sort of refusal or mm-hmm. defensiveness around that for some sort of reason. Um, it can really shut it. I do see that a lot with my couples. Um, so, um, you know, um, being honest about what your needs are. Sometimes we expect our partner to just know what we need um, to feel affection. No, we have to tell them and, mm-hmm. you know, because that can change over time. And also, like you said, being open to the idea that people experience affection in different ways. So one person might really feel close and connected through sex. Another person might feel close and connected through the thoughtfulness of a nice gift Mm -hmm. and not having judgment if you don't have the same love language. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we're excited to give our partner what they need, Mm -hmm. right? I want my partner to feel loved and cherished. So I'm going to do this thing that's really exciting to me. Yeah, hopefully, right? Well, Laura, the next one we have is a biggie, and we see this a lot, and it comes up in most relationships to some extent, is finances. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we can have a conflict about it, or hopefully we can have a conversation about it. So, um, you know, coming into the relationship, it's really uh, important to understand how our uh, partner um manages their finances or at least within a relationship where it's going to be long term right mm-hmm. where we're going to share a life together because that affects both of us yeah um so uh things like you know how much debt are we bringing into the relationship okay am i just going to keep mine and you keep yours are we going to put it all into a pool of debt and mm-hmm. you know both chip away at it um something that comes up a lot with finances is well it has to be 50 50 right our rent is two grand you pay a grand I pay a grand but really we have to um look at it from a perspective of if you're making 500 grand a year and I'm making 50 grand a year we're already not coming into the relationship of 50 50 right right so how can I expect that of my partner um so it's really you know percentage wise like what's your 30 percent of your income what's 30 percent of mine and we're putting that towards our housing costs so um unless we're both making you know 500 grand and we're sitting on a million each year right we can't expect that one another it's not fair and it also brings up an interesting question too that i talked to more maybe more individual uh clients who have ended relationships where there was a huge discrepancy in financial resources Mm -hmm. that does create a lot of issues the person who has less often feels inferior or that they can't keep up with the other person or that they're being asked to meet expectations and standards that financially they just can't Mm -hmm. um on the flip side of that the person that has more financial resources might feel like they're being used or taken advantage of so there has to be a sense of equality so maybe we divide our finances up like 70, 30, because I make 30% of what you make. But there also has to be a sense that we're equally contributing to the relationship. And that can show up in many different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point in terms of like how couples come into the relationship with different, you know, amounts of income and, you know, what you were saying, like one person feels like maybe they're being taken advantage of, the other one feels bad in some sort of Mm -hmm. way. Um, I I have seen that a handful of times where let's talk about upbringing. So if you you were brought up in a household where there was massive wealth and I grew up in a household where we didn't even know where our next meal was coming from, that's, we have very different perspectives around money and what that looks like to spend, right? I'm going to be very hesitant to, you know, spend any money. And, you know, you might be like, wow, I never even thought about it. And then I can feel unworthy of having you support me in some sort of way or buying me a gift or whatever it might be. So the disparity in terms of how we grew up around money is also something that comes into the conversation and working in the background of our brains when we're having these conversations. Yep. And the values that we have around money, you know, do, do I value saving and planning for retirement? 
retirement and having yeah. a nest egg or am I more of a like I want to spend what I have and live in the moment and enjoy the now <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um and if you have two varied ideas on on what your value system is around money that can create a lot of challenges. And mm -hmm. so, you know, like we said before in our last episode, it's not about necessarily getting exactly on the same page because that might not ever happen. If I have a very different background and my family had a different relationship with money than yours did, mm -hmm. we might not ever totally see things from the same perspective, but we can also value and honor each other's perspectives and, and see if there's a place where we can meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I would say that if people with very different value systems around finances have a hard time being in a relationship with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and a couple other tips too is um, making sure you're both fully aware of what's going on with the finances between mm -hmm. the two of you, right? So I shouldn't be the only one writing the checks and paying the bills and having an idea of money going in and money going out and my partner having no idea. Right? That's, that's mm -hmm. a recipe for disaster as well. Um, and being on the same page with, well, how much are we going to put into our renovations for our house or how much can we afford for the lease on the vehicle and making these decisions together right yeah. and that's a really good point because it does if you have it could be okay that one person kind of manages the finances and they're the ones who has an eye on what's going on maybe they're better at it or they're just more interested in it but both people should be in the know about what is happening because yep. you don't want to find yourself in a position one day where you say, hey, we're having this financial issue. And the other person goes, well, I didn't know anything about that. And I'm upset with you now. You mm -hmm. must have mis mismanaged right. it. And that puts all the responsibility on on one person or, you know, another per the person who's kind of kept in the dark might feel like they don't have access to the information. Maybe they can feel like they're being controlled. They're not sure what's happening. Um, and that can create, of course, a lot of tension as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And um, hopefully these things are resolved along the way. But an important side note around finances is it, it really um, is important that both people have, you know, some sort of finances of their own, right? You have your own line of credit. I have mine. Because if we split up, right, we don't want to become dependent or stay in a relationship that isn't good for us because we don't know how to support ourselves, right? So hopefully having our own amount of savings, like I said, line of credit, things like that, where, you know, if we needed to leave um, and needed to leave safely, we can do that easier so yeah. than, but that really is a goal that you know yeah I mean and some people will keep their finances very separate and maybe yeah. they have like a joint house account where they contribute to their household but otherwise yeah. all of their their finances are separate and some people pretty much merge everything together mm -hmm. which I think also works very well for some people as yeah. long as everybody has equal access to yeah. that money Absolutely. yeah if one person is holding the purse strings and doling out funds you mm -hmm. you're not in a good situation mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly so this one kind of segues uh, from our last one. So Laura, say more about decision-making and how that can create conflict. Well, I mean, I think that we can divide up decision-making, but everybody wants to feel, needs to feel like they have some sort of equal say. Mm -hmm. So I could be in the realm of finances. Maybe I'm a financial wizard and I know how to do all the investing and all the things. Maybe I do make more of those uh, decisions because my partner is less in interested or less informed. And maybe my partner is, you know, more involved in the day-to-day -day of caring for the children. And so mm -hmm. my partner makes more of the decisions around the children, you know, about what activities they're going to sign up for or things like that. But you both want to be for the big decisions. You both want to be in the know of what's happening mm -hmm. and feel comfortable with the decisions that are being made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, another side of this that we sometimes see is 
both couple or both people in the couple have a terrible time making decisions and they don't know how to do it. So it looks like these circular uh, conversations about what we're going to have for dinner, or, you know, what what we're going to do with bigger things, right? Well, no, what do you want? No, what do you want? And then we're not making any progress at all. And a lot of lack of uh, ability to make our own individual decisions comes from old stuff, right? And so, you know, we can get into those kinds of dynamics uh, as well. So, yes. Or, you know, I think sometimes a lack of making decision is not wanting to be responsible or be an equal partner. And so you're putting everything yeah. onto somebody else and that yeah. can be a negative dynamic or it can be come from a place of fear and anxiety where you're trying to control somebody and make all the decisions because you're fearful if they don't go along with what you want somehow right. that means something negative is going to happen. So, but we don't, aren't going to make all decisions together all the time. I go to the grocery store and I choose what groceries I'm going to buy. I'm not consulting on what can of beans to get. Um, there's going to be things, but I'm not going to go buy a new car without consulting with my partner and making sure it's a car they like, and it, it fits into our budget and those kinds of things. So, yep. you know, and some people have the financial means where maybe it is okay for them to go buy a new car and their partner doesn't care. Yeah. It's up to the couple, how they, they define that. Totally. Yeah. All right, Michelle, what's next on our list? Well, parenting, Laura. Mm. So another huge one. So that, you know, from the very beginning, that can even look like, do we want to have kids? How many kids are we going to have? Um, conflicts around maybe what to name the children, um, you know, not to get into it too much, but I was supposed to be named Megan. Oh. <laughs> and that's how uh, that one ended. Well, so, you know, that argument. <laughs> I prefer I think so. Um, uh, last name is a really important one. So are we going to give the children, you know, just one partner's last name, or are we going to do a hyphenated name, things like that? Um, you know, our decisions around parenting, but also once the kids are here, a big one is how are we going to discipline the kids? How are we going to reward the kids? Um, we can bring in our own ideas of what discipline and reward looks like based on, you know, how we were treated as children. Um, Things like, too, when really hard things come up, like we find out a, a child has chronic illness or maybe a learning uh, struggle or something like that. How are we going to figure that out? Those can be really big challenges that, you know, obviously we don't hope for and sometimes, you know, just can happen to folks and then they have to pivot and, and work around that. So, um, yeah. And like, there is no one way to do things, of course. Um, I have a couple that I was working with recently who had come in because, they've had different ideas about how to parent their child when the child was having temper tantrums. Mm -hmm. And it was causing a lot of conflict between the two of them, which was causing the child to escalate, kind of noticing that the parents weren't aligned and on the same yep. page. And that's a great time to come into therapy if you want to work on how you can parent well together mm -hmm. um, to manage situations, because it's actually very challenging for the kids when the parents are not aligned and working together. Yeah, that's a very important one because kids see things in very much black and white. So mom and dad are arguing because of me. I did something wrong. You know, they hear, they hear their name, but even kids who are pre-verbal, who have no idea what might be going on, they can sense the tension. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to be very intentional about, you know, having conflict away from children um, because again, they're picking up on it. They're hearing things, you know, there can be ingrained shame about what's going on uh, because well, obviously I'm the reason why my parents might be getting divorced, mm -hmm. right? So we don't want to send kids um, down that uh, road and also things like uh, making uh, the other parent the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So 
you're doing that thing again. Of course, you're just like your dad. Um, so, but when you're good, you're just like me, you know, so we're villainizing the other parent. We don't want to do that. Um, so there's a lot that can come up with parenting. And like you're saying, that can be a great time to come to either couples therapy, maybe sometimes uh, family therapy, but getting a lot of coaching. Um, so. Yeah. And really getting clear on what values you want to uh, instill in your family. So maybe I have a certain set of values yeah. that are different than my partners because we have different backgrounds or we grew up mm -hmm. differently, but we don't want to confuse our kids. So we want to be yeah. aligned in what, what the rules are and, and be on the same page. Yeah. Don't confuse them. Yeah. Setting them up for yeah. failure. Mm -hmm. And if they see a crack in the facade, they're going to find a way to manipulate and get yeah, what they right. want. Like, kids are very right. smart that way. So uh -huh. you're, well, yeah. you're more powerful if you're, if you're aligned. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Michelle. So next on the list, we have a lack of attention. What does it mean when people are fighting about a lack of attention? Mm, okay. Yeah. So um, it really comes down to feeling like I'm not being noticed or heard in some sort of way. Um, you know, it can make me feel very alone or isolated if my partner's not paying attention to me. And that can look like anything from, you know, it's been all day and I haven't received a text message back. That feels really bad. You know, maybe there's a reason why, but, you know, it feels like, my partner's not paying attention to me, right? I'm not important enough mm -hmm. to um, have their attention and to respond to me and be there for me. Um, we talk a lot in the Gottman Method about bids for connection. So it can be very simple. Like, oh my gosh, this microphone's gray and that one's black. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're like, you know, just continue to do your own thing. You're like, yeah, Michelle, isn't that weird, right? You're giving me some sort of attention right. back. You're acknowledging my existence. So it's very important. And that has come up in many couples that I've worked with where one person will say something that really doesn't require a, a response, like, look, that picture is blue. And the other person doesn't respond or yep. acknowledge in any sort of way. Yep. That feels like rejection to people. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. even though it was just a comment, even though you could just nod, you don't even need to say anything. But if there is no response, if I'm trying to connect with you and you just shut me down with no reaction at all, mm -hmm. that will feel like you're not there for me. You don't care about oh, me. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, what I said must have been dumb or not important or I said the wrong thing. And so yeah, if our partner's not turning towards for attention. Yeah. Connection. And, you know, texting can be a tricky one too. Some people want to be connected via text all the time. Mm -hmm. Other people want to be away from their phones and have a little bit more space. Mm -hmm. So I think you, you will establish kind of a norm in your relationship. Yeah. So maybe the norm is while I'm at work, I might text you on my lunch break, but not any other time because I'm busy. Yep. But if I vary away, or if I move away from that norm and don't do that, it's mm -hmm. going to signal to your partner that something it's is wrong. wrong. Yeah, absolutely. We text every day on lunch. It's been, you know, two days, you know, something's going wrong. Right. right? Um, so that can feel really bad. Or then we can start to be concerned about uh, what might be going on with our partner. Right. Worried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, next, friends and family. So this is another great one, too. Um, we hear about, you know. The term in-laws usually yeah. has some sort of negative connotation <laughs> to it for some sort of reason. Um, you know, and we want our partners to accept our family and accept our friends. And we hope for this blend maybe of, you know, our, our people and their people. Um, you know, that's the idea, ideal, but oftentimes is not the case. Um, 
you know, if, if I grew up with a dysfunctional family, um, and then I'm bringing them along for the ride into my relationship, well, my partner's going to be exposed to that dysfunction. It's probably going to, uh, affect my partner. It's probably going to affect our children. Um, so, uh, you know, these things around family can be, um, very, um, contentious. Um, so, um, things like, uh, how much time we spend with our family and friends. So are we going to integrate? So let's say everyone does get along. Are we going to go on trips together? How many holiday meals are we going to have together? Um, or do we not want to integrate? And then also how much time am I going to spend with my friends? How much time are you going to spend with yours separate as well? So that can come up. Well, you're with Sally every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, you know, that can be an issue too. So how much time we want to be away from our partner and with friends or family. And that is a good conversation to have. And that can cause a lot of conflict, like you said, with families. If I, if I'm used to spending a lot of time with my family Mm -hmm. and my partner comes from a family that doesn't spend a lot of time together, they might not automatically want to spend time with my family all the time. So you want to be on the same page about what those, what those values are. And same with friends, you know, some people are very comfortable having a lot of friend time. And some people, you know, if you're going to be out every weekend with your friends, your partner might feel rejected or abandoned by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and things like, too, there can be um, sometimes conflict. Um, if I feel like your friends are unhealthy for some sort of mm. reason, I've had um, uh, situations where, you know, a client doesn't like their partner's friends and doesn't want them to be around them because, well, we're 45 and your friend goes partying every weekend. Right. What's that about? Yeah. Or maybe your friend uh, committed infidelity for some sort of reason and so you know that that can be uh, a value flash for uh the other partner maybe they don't want you hanging out with that friend but, uh, you know so values is very important right as well and we're all on the same page yeah yeah and it's about being on the same page and you're not going to be on the same page with everyone someone who yeah. doesn't have a lot of friends that doesn't want to have a lot of friend time and doesn't like you going out with your friends might and you like to go out with your friends a lot might not be a good match for you yep Absolutely. So we aren't always going to agree. And some of those things are deal breakers and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at jealousy. Um, so this one comes up a lot in different contexts, but let's talk about how this is a common conflict. So jealousy, I a little bit of jealousy sometimes can be normal or healthy, but I think when, when jealousy is being used to uh, control somebody because you mm-hmm. feel insecure and you're trying to manage their behavior so that you don't feel insecure. Mm-hmm. One, that's an ineffective strategy. You're going to have to address your own insecurities. Your partner's behavior is probably not going to to change that much about your own insecurities. Yeah. But it also is very toxic in a relationship to, you know, because basically when you're getting jealous, you're insinuating that your partner is doing something wrong. I saw you talking to that person. That person was interested in you. Mm -hmm. Even if you're saying the other person was interested, you're insinuating that they were doing something wrong by engaging in that behavior. So, Mm -hmm. you know, jealousy can be an issue. I think we want to address the things that make us feel jealous. Talk about how can I feel more secure in the relationship? If I feel really jealous when you're talking to your friends, you know, maybe I just need some reassurance that, I'm part of the, that you bring me into the conversation or that you're going to check in with me later. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I find jealousy to be pretty toxic Mm -hmm. and 
don't go through each other's phones. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're in a place where you're having to check each other's phones and emails and you're, there's already something else going on yeah. there, right? Um, so, and jealousy can also be formed by, let's say, if I've had a history of partners being uh, unfaithful to me, and then I get with somebody who is completely healthy, they're not doing any of that, but because of all my past uh, relational trauma in that way, I might become jealous out of, well, my partner's looking the other way. He's going to cheat on me. He's going to leave me. So we have to work on that old stuff and not project it on to our current partner if you know they're not doing anything wrong we're not giving them a chance to succeed if we're already deciding that they're going to fail yep yeah you're projecting a future outcome that you don't want on somebody and you're unconsciously going to be creating that so and i think if there's a a high level of jealousy and insecurity in a relationship that also could indicate there's a need for some individual therapy couples therapy might be a little bit helpful um, but if you're exhibiting some really controlling behaviors because you feel insecure and jealous you might have your own stuff to work out yeah absolutely um okay so our last one is work-life balance so we all need to have a healthy balance between work and our leisure time we have to you know as individuals be really aware of our mental state how are we doing physically um you know our emotional well-being so we have to first uh, invest in our own um you know work-life balance and what we do with that and our dedicated self-care time right, is really an investment into the relationship overall and so there can sometimes be struggles around that you know what how much time do again do we need alone talk about how you uh, actually fit into each other's world outside of work um this can be a particularly important one to um, try to figure out and strategize if we are a new couple um if you don't live together yet how how often do we spend time with each other and then what are we doing um with the work-life balance self-care time are we doing these things together are we taking trips are we doing uh, exercise together you know are we doing things like cooking classes so how are we um, you know, having that self-care time and incorporating our partner. And that can be something that is a struggle for yeah. people to get on the same page with. And again, what are your values around work? If you're somebody who works a lot, maybe you have a big career, you run your own business, or you do something where work does take up a lot of your time, Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to be a great fit with somebody who wants to go on a lot of vacations and who lives a very leisurely lifestyle, because maybe that's Mm -hmm. not what you're doing in the moment. So you do want to connect with people who have similar value systems around Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. Or if you're somebody who, you know, just wants to clock in their hours so that they can enjoy their life and they're doing stuff every weekend and somebody who's at the office all the time is not necessarily going to be a good fit. Of course, there's room to find balance and and compromise, um, but I think the underlying value is something you really want to take into consideration. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And does that get us to the end of our list? I think so, Laura. All right. Well, Michelle, I have one more question for you, though. So we've talked about (laughs) in the last two episodes, we've talked about the most common conflicts that couples have, the most common arguments. So these are normal things that people argue about all the time. And sometimes they might be a big deal. And and sometimes these are little conversations that we can have on our own. Mm -hmm. But when do you think somebody should call a counselor? Well, first, I have to say, I'm pretty upset you asked me this, so I can't <laughs> don't know anything about this on me. Of course, you would do this. Um, so when it's really getting in the way where, you know, there's just no connection anymore outside of us screaming, yelling, just, you know, becoming distant because we have such different ideas about things. We're just really attacking or withdrawing or really doing things that um, we're just not uh, valuing our partner anymore. We're not feeling seen, heard, or loved. That's a time where it's like, this is getting really off course. So if you're really not 
not going anywhere with your conflict. If you don't know how to repair, if you don't have the intention to repair, a lot of times I'll ask couples like, okay, well, did you repair that one? what does that even mean you know they just kind of sweep it under the rug so um you know and, and as couples therapists we'll help you uh identify these things and then navigate um how to get back on course and yes if you have a lot of unresolved conflict that's been piling up therapy is a really great yeah. avenue for resolving some of those things so we're out of time for today right. but thank you for so much for listening and we'll be back next week all right bye Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.